Hi everyone, welcome to Mindshitra Talks Lost in Translation. We are a mother-daughter duo of South Asian origin Australians who are living in Sydney. We are using this podcast as our voice to unpack topics that are often lost in translation within our South Asian community. So this is our second episode of the podcast, very exciting. And today's topic is high school and the transition from high school to uni. So a lot to unpack here. And we are going to talk about how um, generationally going to high school and the aspects of how two different generations come into interplay on the on the well-being aspect of it. So we are going to focus on that. Our primary school topic was a little bit um, like an intro to what we are kind of unpacking here, which is um, generational barriers and and what are some of the things primary school, school students go through. If you haven't listened to it, do go back and listen to it. So let's start uh, the episode. And I think Riti has a question for me to start the episode off. I do. Since this whole episode is about high school, I guess we have to start with you because you went to high school way before me and your high school experience was a lot different, not only because we're one from two different generations, but also you went to high school in a different country. So I guess my question for you is, or what I want to hear about and I what I guess what I hope audiences can also hear about is the pressures and the expectation when you um, went to high school and what how you navigated that. Yeah, so I was born in the generation which we now uh, are calling cuspers, so around the late uh, 70s. And what that meant for me on a world context was the world was waking up to this idea that girls need equal education too. And a lot of my peers were actually going and getting degrees of medicine and engineering and, and they're having career aspirations. How is it different from the earlier generation I was? I guess my mummy's generation, women were only expected to kind of um, take the family role as a predominant one. And then if your family allowed, then you were supposed to go and take on any other roles, which my mom did, uh, my amma did. But for me, it was a little different uh, in that sense. Everybody was going, but they, the one main aspect I always knew it is not that anybody spoke about it, is that no matter how much I, I studied, the more I studied, it, the harder was to find a boy. And the ultimate aim was to get married at a certain mm. age. Mm. Uh, every family has that barrier on which what is the age group. And because of the cultural and religious backgrounds, arranged marriages were very common. Mm. So the expectations for me in my particular household, in my scenario, was a little less. I was mm. not expected to excel. I was just expected to go to school. Right. I was not expected to choose a career and make career aspirations. I was mm. just expected to get to college. So just to like fill the bare minimum. Bare minimum. That was mm. enough. Um, mm. And I also came from a family where my parents, though they valued education, there was there was there is there is this mindset intergenerationally again where it was very important to educate the son and marrying the daughter was much more important than educating it not that they were against it and if it happened it was a natural thing but the the life path was education for son 
marriage for mm-hmm. the daughter how did that play out in my life so i generally grew up again complete non spoken unspoken rule i grew up thinking the greatest thing i want to be is a homemaker mm. so though i did really well in school uh, as compared to my brother um and your mama um i grew up in this notion that i don't have to do much and i can actually get away with it and also traveling to study and getting the girl to go to a different place to study was again a big no no how will how is she going to travel how long it is so funnily enough i actually scored really high in my year 12 we have a year 10 and year 12 exams it's a very competitive very academic focused you have to get on merit um and and just one my the difference between my brother and my age difference is 3 years 3 and a half years so he went ahead um graduated with really good marks and got into engineering and he had traveled out and moved out somewhere else to study based on that i there was this again unspoken rule that i'm not going to travel out anywhere which meant mm. when i got a medicine seat um i gave it up i didn't wow. go wow yeah so so the expectation of that and that came back to bite and i i i think i'm going to elaborate on that later in terms of mental health and well-being uh for me i grew up with this belief that homemaking is everything so i chose home science i was really good at it and i i actually in retrospect a lot of my self esteem self confidence ability to navigate in this world financial independence and this thing which comes as a woman to be able to be standing on your own leg and the the ability to fend for themselves especially when you migrate as a new woman um it becomes a very big barrier if you haven't had the proper education you're not financially independent mm. and i realized that really late in my life mm. and that took a major toll to my well being when i migrated because i was struggling to find my place in the australian workforce and also my own self identity as a person mm. and that kind of amplified all the uh, stresses and anxieties i had as a migrant woman also somebody without family support right because you're already moving to a new country so you already kind of are trying to learn out learn and figure out who you are as a migrant woman but because you didn't have that aspect of financial independence it was just like an extra layer of anxiety and that kind of just took a toll on your well-being it did also because culturally men are supposed to fend for the women and because i had been i kind of felt like i put myself in a disadvantage position by not getting that education and also i i it turned out to be really fortunate that i had a partner though arranged marriage it was um though it was an arranged marriage i had a partner who with whom everything worked out but yep. what i started noticing after coming here as a migrant woman and talking to other women was sometimes that aspect of not having financial independence itself puts you in a very very dangerous situation because if the partner relationships doesn't work then you are disadvantaged more you don't have family support you can't stand on your own legs 
and i guess that's how for me the well being kind of and and also that is what the ch- i wanted to change the challenge into an inspiration and went and did my masters later after mm. having both the kids but again that's the learning i got mm. what by and that for me is what informed my parenting values mm. so there is this western ideology of four types of parenting where they call uh, you know laissez faire which means very disconnected and very easy going and then they have what is called authoritative authoritarian authoritative is like do as you are told authoritarian is where you know you have a good boundary and then there is disengaged once you are happy once you are not and when i read about that concept i struggled a lot because indian parenting in my generation was do as you are told mm the style is do as you are told what i notice because we are cuspers the style of parenting i have with you is tell me how what i can do for you mm and the parenting style my parents had was be don't be seen don't be heard so it's completely different and being in this land where uh, the parenting styles also has a different theory and the mm-hmm. interpretation on a western lens on what is the right of a parent to what is the right of a child varies mental health well being also gets affected there that's my understanding what was your understanding and how did you feel my parenting style affected the expectations that set for you I mean when you were talking like you know how like my grandparents always explain like when I was in school I had to travel over mountains and over rivers and I had to I had to wake up at the crack of dawn but then I didn't actually realize that I guess those mountains and those rivers were more internal than external yeah that's a great insight wow <laughs> that's actually no wonder and I think I grew up a feminist as well so I always knew I wanted to be treated equal and I always fought with my brother and why did he, why does he I always used to be the one who used to ask all these questions uh, mm. why does he get to go why am I not going why am I but for a person who asked all these questions I must say I was very naive and I super readily married agreed to marry mm. uh, your dad like i, I mean, was so excited my like take on high school was not as like drastic as this we definitely had like fair share of problems and obstacles but when you're talking about financial independence it's so funny because like in high school most people have a job they yeah. have a part-time job so that sense of financial independence is already instilled and i guess i would even say that's like an expectation you assume that everyone in high school has a part-time job um and i had a part-time job i worked at a cafe when i was in year 10 so i already had a little bit of sense of financial independence the whole thing about academics and like being number 1 was still there and i i guess in t- it wasn't as like it's very different because you went through certain things and the things that I went through was things like um trying to figure out what career path you want to do because in a country like Australia we're very fortunate that we have a lot of options and they're very supportive of us um and I think my high school experience helped me realize that I was very interested in more um creative pursuits things like film and music um and people around me were very interested in like um science and engineering and 
I think that's still a big thing even today. They, um, because I guess that's where all the money is and they keep pushing people, especially because I went to an all girls school. So they kept pushing women in STEM, women in STEM. But I was like, you know, it's all great for people who are actually interested in STEM. But what about the other careers? You know, the arts are also making a crap ton of money. Um, and there are also people who are interested in creative pursuits. So why not, you know, provide information about that and help people go into that career pathway? Um, but in terms of well-being, my well-being came more in the internal battle of um oh, what do I do and how do I get where I want to go? Because it seemed like everyone else around me um, knew their pathway and I was struggling with that. I knew where I wanted to go. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. Um, And, yeah, I think that was a big part of my high school life. Um, Additionally, I went to an all-girls school, as I mentioned before. You didn't go to an all-girls school, did you, Mummy? No, I no. didn't go to an all-girls school at all. One of the things I would like you to talk about, or I am very keen to understand from your point of view, was your when you started high school, uh, this going to a single girls school. And I think that is also why I was very, I went very happily when you said like, you know, I only want to go to a single girls school because I was, again, I didn't realize at that time. I now realize that these are some of the things which can interplay in our decision-making, intergenerational uh, beliefs and attitudes. And then um, how did you cope making new friends uh, Mm. in high school? And I also want you to talk about how going through the year 12 exam during COVID was in terms of a well-being aspect for you. Yes. I mean... I definitely would rate my high school experience a solid, I'll say seven out of 10, partly because I had, I made some of the best friendships in the world and I still hold those friendships very dear to my heart today, but it was not very smooth sailing at the start. Um, I mean, it was a little bit and then it kind of declined a bit. What I mean by that is when I was on my first day in year seven, I had a group of friends. They just kind of put you together. Like they were like, meet new people and meet random people. And I made this group of friends. There were about eight of us and we all clicked. Now, when I mean clicked, we were just like, like platonic chemistry. It wasn't necessarily like friendship compatibility. It was just like, we don't have any other friends. And like everything we seem to talk about on a surface level, we seem to have some sort of commonality with. But as we kind of like learned more about each other and talked more, everyone started going off to the friends they actually genuinely connected with. And I was kind of left at the back. I didn't necessarily go off. I kind of relied on these people as my friends. It's like, well, we connected on a surface level, so we must be going to be best friends till the end of year 12. Um, And then that also came with a sense of who am I? And or should I just change myself to fit in with other people? And I think I went with the latter because I wanted to fit in. This is the whole thing about me wanting to try and make friends. And I would feel so dejected every day coming home. You would ask me like, did you make any new friends today? Um, And I'd be like, no, I didn't. But at school, I was trying to change myself to fit in with other people. I was trying to fit in with these people. And these were people... If I was my true self, I would have never, I would have never been friends with, but I just wanted to feel that 
like short sense of happiness. And I, I think in terms of well-being, it really does take a toll on your well-being because part of you is like, I'm so happy I make friends. But the other half of you is like, like shouting at yourself, like, this is not who you are. Like, you need to find your people. So I think one day I just sat down with myself and I was like, you know what? And I think I had this discussion with you of like, you know, I'm trying to be this person, but they're not appreciating me like this. And you were like, well, they're not going to because that's not who you are. And if they can't understand that you're confident and charismatic and outgoing, which I was, and I tried to be myself just like up on steroids, um, then they're not the people for you. And you need to understand that this is just a phase in your life and you will find your people. And eventually I did. I found the three best friends who are like so close to me now. Um, so that was the bit of the rocky start in terms of friendships. I mean, friendship dramas happen like, you know, bullying and toxic, you know, girl politics, all that jazz and all the tea that goes down. And then I guess fast forward to year 12 and COVID happens and that takes a toll on your well-being because you're not having that in-person human connection anymore. It's all online. So you're like, oh, do I really feel close to my friends? Do I, you know, are they still my friends? And I guess you're trying to navigate that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say in terms of like school and studying, studying at home and doing online learning was so good for me. I don't know why. I just found it so rewarding um and then year 12 also comes around the time when they're like hey now you gotta pick your uni degrees and that's kind of where we can kind of transition into this discussion of high school to uni and picking pathways and that's when I knew I wanted to do something in film and music yeah I'm curious to know though just to take a step back what do you think are certain things that helped you in terms of where you are actually trying to figure out how much Indianness you need to bring into your friendships mm, as well. One definitely. Thing, one question I wanted to ask. And the other thing was, as a parent, do you, where do you think we don't understand kids when they come and say, and what are some of the things that helped you? And what are some of the things that actually I said did not help you? And how does that affect your own uh, well-being? Mm. Because then it creates this rift that my own parents don't. And help understand me Mm. I think when I was in primary school I went to a predominantly Indian primary school so a lot of my friends were of South Asian descent fast forward to high school you're in a very multicultural environment so that nuance of South Asian-ness kind of vanishes a bit so I was I would say I was even more South Asian in primary school than I was in high school because I tried to fit in with the westernized version and I kind of tried to hide this that South Asian like cultural nuance that I had and I found that a lot of the friendship groups were bounded by culture Mm. Um, and a lot of the girls that hung out together that were in the same groups were of the same culture and of the same background and heritage so when I went into my friend group we're a very multicultural friend group I was like well I can bring that piece of the puzzle that's not in the group And I think that's why we worked so well, because we were all of different heritage, but we all had that sense of Australian-ness in us. And I think that's why it worked so well. And I think that's your advice of, you know, you'll find your people. And I guess they were my people in that sense. But I mean, advice that didn't stick with me, I don't know. That didn't work and you think the parents should not say, which we don't understand as a generation. Um, I think it's easier to say this 
when you can look back on it. But I think saying it will pass is very hard for a kid to understand because when you're in that moment, you really don't think it's going to pass. So I would say, just say that, yes, I know this time sucks and just like acknowledge and say out loud that, yeah, you're in a period of your life. We are not going to have friends and just draw attention to the fact because just saying, I feel like saying it will pass is like saying like, oh, well, don't worry about it now. Like it will go away. Whereas if we acknowledge and bring it up, that's so much more rewarding. And do you also think that for me, there was this urge to kind of, I I can talk for myself. Mm. I also think because I did not have a point of reference of what you were going through, I was trying to bring on my own lens because I didn't go to school here. Mm. And I was like, it's not a big deal. Like Mm. there are times when I think now, thinking back, I should not have or I could have said it better. Not that I should not have said. I didn't know any better. So I didn't do better. And when I knew better, I'm trying to do better. But there is, I kind of find that there is, why do you think kids don't come to their parents? You think, what is the thing which stops them from coming to their parents, especially when they are having problems? Or what is the thing which, because we are trying to be uh, somebody of a support person to you, mm-hmm. right? I guess there's this thing of like, I don't think you understand, like you don't understand what I'm going through. And I guess it's not not true because there are parts you don't understand, but there are parts you do. And I think you assume that the parts you do just will answer the entirety of the question. Um, But there's like, when you say like, when there's a problem, there's like an A, B, C, D to the problem. And you might understand A and B, but you may not understand C and D. And just because you understand A and B doesn't mean you can answer the entire question, if that makes sense. So I think like navigating that, but I mean, back to like high school and like going to uni, there was that sense of um, what should I do now? Because I feel like there's such a structure. And then once high school finishes, it's like, now you're an adult and all the decisions are yours. And I think even now when after I graduate, I'm like, okay, like, what do I, what do I do? And it's this thing of, I know what I want to do. I just don't know how to get there. And the lack of mode of the lack, the mode of transportation that I'm not sure of is worrying me in the best terms. So um, that's kind of something which weighs on your mind all the mm. time and, and affects your well-being. And, and also this, ident- I, what I heard you say was that this exploration of your own identity, where you fit in, my parents may understand, may not understand and all that. So mm. um, what is the thing which you think kind of, how can we, I guess, what helped you when, when it came to the uni and how, how do you think um, the, the uni choice kind of played out for you? And, um, mm. and I can tell you how I thought I supported you as well. Um, Mm. I think you mentioned before that when you were deciding what to do for uni you only had one career pathway and when you realized that there's so many more opportunities here I mean you want the best for your kids so you would you and daddy were doing everything in your power to help me get where I wanted to go because you already had already been in that boat you already like done that stuff and you were like well I don't want my kid to go through that same thing so I guess you knew what the experience was and you learned your lesson for the next generation. 
but i don't know if if do you think all do you, did you experience all your peers having a similar experience and going through or do you still think it hasn't changed in most of most of the household because you are on the field and also do you think my eagerness to kind of not be like my parent did it hinder you at any point in terms of well-being also was it is it because mm. you do what you want you do that you do this uh, you know generationally i'm thinking i'm following the let me do something for you mm. path but i'm i'm kind of wondering you know how did that impact your well-being there's so many aspects to this question and the first thing that comes to mind is i'll give i'll give context in a second for the listeners but this thing of you wanting me to do music and i think that's where i where the sense of like pressure and me wanting to do something essentially what happens is is what happened was in a nutshell um is i knew i wanted to do film and music and around like 10 11 12 e 10 11 12 we sat down and did a brainstorm of all the degrees i was interested in and you knew that the music was a very prestigious um and honorable music school to study music and you knew that i had an interest in music but you also knew i had an interest in film so you said if you go to the con they also have this thing where you can do a minor in film so it's perfect for you and even though i was interested in that field your sense of oh i want to show the other parents that even though she did music she can still achieve great things and that sense of pressure the same pressure that in our typical south asianness we the parents put pressure on the kids to do engineering and law and doctoring you transferred that same energy into me doing music and i mean what was your lens on that because and i'll say like how that affected my well-being So for me as a parent the main well-being aspect was I am I have this young child here and the pressures of being a parent a migrant parent is also trying to find a feet for you which is safe for you in an environment where you're feeling accepted plus you are for all all purposes and I know how a woman of color feels you are a developing woman of color yes so there is a mixture of uh, apprehension fear responsibility protection willingness to do the correct thing lot of lot of lot of what i call parental practicality you know what will you earn what will you especially as a girl what will you earn and i think the interesting conversations which you did not hear and these pressures weigh us weigh on our hearts a lot a lot of parents in our culture don't even go for to a psychiatrist psychologist and all that and all these stresses along with the work stresses adds up mm. you know for me it was different because i knew you were struggling with something mm-hmm. i knew that somewhere but i was blind to it mm-hmm. somewhere i was i told myself the story that i'm supporting you 100% mm. in whatever you wanted to do mm-hmm. so well being wise in my mind though and i did i do i do have a lot of support in when it comes to taking care of my own mental health however i found it frustrating in covid to keep all the things going my professional life supporting you i also have another child handling covid um so i think i i you know when people say it's an actual pressure it's an actual pressure when you can talk the talk 
when it came to walking the walk i faltered mm. however i think i was i was i was lucky enough open enough self aware enough to accept and have the sense of appreciation that i faltered when when things were not going because mm. i could see how miserable you were mm-hmm. um so my mental health kind of improved once i realized my thing and i i corrected my course mm-hmm. and how did how did you kind of find that approach and i think there was this thing of like even though i knew that because i was expecting that sense of rebelliousness if your parents push you into like engineering and music but because it was music i mean sorry engineering and lawyering and doctoring but it because it was music and it was something creative even though that aspect of parental pressure you are still putting it on me i was like well it's creative so i guess it and it's something i want to do and you know what's best for me and i trust you because you're my mum so i guess i'll do that thing and you're giving me like a an actual list of reasons why this is the best degree for you so why wouldn't it be you know it's not like you're pushing me into something i don't want to do i didn't actually i didn't know that at the time but i guess this is the best thing so i guess your happiness and your sense of oh my god this will be so good for you kind of put me in that trap of all right well my mom says this is the best thing for me so i guess i'll do it so i got in i got into the con um and you were so happy obviously of course and i think there's a video of me like you made me do a video to our family like hi everyone i got into the con and in the video you are more happy than i am <laughs> oh my god when you say i made you do it it sound makes me sound like um it, it, that's not a good sign and i don't hope i make you do anything which you are not into it but yeah i might have made you do certain mm. things and uh, yeah and and i am i do take full responsibility for that i'm not going to even hide that i didn't know but mm. what i did not realize or it's not an it's not an apology i guess uh, but what i'm trying to tell you and and kind of clear the air and i know we have cleared the air is that as parents we often think the decisions we make are always right and i kind of feel there's a sense of ego also which comes in of course yeah. of course you know and we are doing it with a very good intention because we want you to succeed mm. but i guess for me the realization was you're a human being first and a parent second and as yes. a human being you can falter and if you mm-hmm. falter the good thing to do is take accountability and say i faltered how do i mm-hmm. course correct so tell me about how did you course correct and how did that impact your mental health because you did not get through the first time so i already knew that i didn't want to do the con for an entire year because i already had this mindset of i want to do film and actually at the same time i applied for the con i also applied for film school and got rejected which is one of the other reasons why i kind of went into the con it was like well this didn't work out so i guess i have to go with this and there was always a sense of yearning of how do i get into film and how do i how do i become this and i think one day i just broke down and cried and i told you both mummy and daddy i was like i can't do this degree anymore I want to drop out. And I think it was that thing of it just crashed. It all just came to like boiling point and it just erupted. And I was like I can't do this anymore. I want out now. And I think you were like, "No, you need to finish. You made the commitment for a year." And I think that also put a dent cuz I was like, "I don't want to do this for a year. 
I want to get out now. I want to leave now. So that sense of, there was that sense of rejection of like, well, I didn't get in once into film school, so I'm never going to get in. Plus, I have to endure my mental health and I have to endure this depressive degree for the entire year. Where can I be happy? For you. For me, for (laughs) me. Yes. Big opportunity for other people. It is, it is. But for me, I just hated it. And how can I sit through this for an entire year? And I think like a week later, you said, I'm so sorry. Like, let's figure it out. Obviously, we've paid for a semester, so it doesn't make sense for you to just drop out mid-semester because you'll then you'll be paying for something you're not even doing. So let's figure out how we can get you into film as fast as possible. And I apologize if I if I pushed you into something you didn't want to do. Mm. And did that help? Like, it like did. did my did our parents, <laughs> did your parents' apologies help? It did, because I was like. One, because you acknowledged, because there was a sense of denial of people like, I didn't push you. You did this on your own. Like, don't put it on me. Like, I pushed, like, don't tell everyone I pushed you. If you tell everyone that story, I pushed you. Like, I'm going to be so upset. And here we are making a podcast about it. (laughs) (laughs) Telling everyone I pushed you. Let's see, I own up and I fess up. And I think, I think that's also what I needed from my parents. And a lot of things I could, I wish I could have talked to them and said, I don't think I agree with your decision making and mm-hmm. and actually that kind of this inability to communicate I I can see when it comes to whether you want to be right or whether you want to have a great relationship in terms of communication irrespective of whether it's with your husband or with your with your child especially with your child who's of a different generation for me because I had this chasm with my parents and I love them for what they are but I also have been carrying a lot of baggage of unspoken things intergenerationally I find that I don't ever think my mom and dad would be able to come to that realization first or of denial I don't think we have words in our culture to talk about denial boundaries rejection disappointment that parents can be wrong mm-hmm. no I I I could see that my parents realized certain decisions they made was wrong, but they never acknowledged it. Yeah. Or not in the way I would have felt like, my God. It was acknowledged. It was acknowledged. So mm. I'm really glad to hear that I did acknowledge. And yes. There is, a, there is a lot of gold at the end of this if we walk through it. But let me tell you as a parent, uh, if you're a parent and you're thinking, how does that feel? It feels yuck. It feels hard. It feels heavy especially because it comes from a very good intention. Mm-hmm. However, if you sit with that uncomfortability, at the other end is a goal of communicating and, and a connection with your child. Mm. And it's because of this sense of communication, we were able to like establish that boundary and that healthy, healthy communication of, all right, this is actually what I want to do. And as a parent, your role is to support the kid. And, and you played an integral role in getting me how I wanted to go so I got into film school is the end of the story long story short and I'm loving the degree but in retrospect if I had never had that sense of healthy communication and if we haven't if we didn't establish it early on and if you hadn't seen my mental health deteriorate we would have never been here today 
I wish we had done it even without your mental health deteriorating mm. and that without having that. But we, I think we learned a lesson. So to wrap up this session, I think we've been talking for around 40 minutes now. So to wrap up this session, um, what would you, do you want to ask me any questions or can I ask you what is yes. one thing you would like to tell your generation of, of kids, how to communicate to your parents? Why should you communicate to your parents? Mm-hmm. Or is there... Is there a way in which, can you tell us any secrets of what you get? I guess for my generation, just to clear the air, just communicate. And I know it can be hard at the time. And if anyone's listening to this and going through a similar thing I did, at the time it can be super hard. But communication can make so many things even and it can make any every some things and even playing field for both parties and if you just air out your concern or what you're feeling it can open up so many doors to opportunities and it can open up so many avenues of communications and healthy boundaries between a parent and a child which would have never been there in the first place and I guess my piece of advice to leave this episode is Like, don't compare your pathways to people. Um, You are running your own race. You are running, you're walking your own path. Um, And it's all a learning process. Don't be afraid to fall, essentially. What would your secrets be to the parents of how to navigate this space? I think, um, I think parenting is one of the hardest, hardest I don't know. I don't want to call it a job responsibility. I think parenting is one of the hardest, most challenging and also most one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. However, I think it's a privilege to influence a young person. Mm. To a parent who is in the position of influencing, I will say, don't overexercise your power. They don't, they are not, they are not your dreams to be shaped into. They are human beings who need to be supported, nurtured according to the way they want to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't actually owe you anything. Uh, yes. Um, that is one thing. Um, the other thing I would like to tell the kids a little bit as well is that um, what if for most of the generation which I'm talking to, a blanket rule most of the parents and again I don't like to generalize because I don't know what is happening in individual families and if you are feeling like your parents don't care about you or anything I f- if, if I have to let you in a secret I am well over in my 40s and let me tell you I did too I also thought that my parents didn't care about me and I think it's a very common feeling to have when you're a teenager it's quite valid and it is very valid in some instances, yes, we don't understand a lot of things which is happening. Not even if you're in the same place, it becomes even more hard when you're migrant and you're, you're living in completely two different cultures. It's a Western culture, Indian culture. While we may not understand exactly what you're going through, we are willing to walk with you. So take us with you. Yes. Trust us. And and, and try us a little bit hmm. on. and And... I definitely think a parent would be the most important person to have on your side because they loved you even before you were born. 
Mm. Even without knowing anything. So if you go back to that basic, yes, maybe you're having a communication issue. It's not. And, and maybe depending upon a lot of intergenerational things, they are not even self-aware. Um, however, if you are struggling with your mental health, especially young kids, if not a parent, find somebody else whom you can seek support with. Yeah. Is what I would say. But again, it might sound very marketing. marketing. <laughs> so I'm very aware of that as well. But I genuinely truly believe that. I believe every child needs to have at least one external person that they can talk to if they are not parents. One responsible adult within the, within the family unit, within the friend unit somebody and as a parent you should be very proactively looking and recruiting these people in your life i think i've gone all preachy so i'll let you finish this show i think that was a great way to end the episode so thank you listeners we hope you enjoyed this episode of mindshare talks lost in translation you can follow mindshare on all the social platforms and we will see you for our next episode Bye. If you like us, please follow and subscribe. Ask your parents to follow us and ask your peers to follow us. And That's let's what I just said. That's what I just said. I just said that. <laughs> That's what I just said. So I'm just used to my being the last voice. You can edit that out. <laughs> no. Oh, good. See Bye, ya. everyone. Bye.